Welcome to the Fox River Podcast. Our mission is a heart for people and a message of Jesus. We hope you are encouraged in your faith through this message. Thanks for listening. Well, hey, everybody, we are especially glad to have you joining with us this weekend. If you happen to be on one of our physical campuses, um, we've got our block party that's going to follow afterwards. We've got the opportunity, if you are a biker, we'd be honored to be able to pray with you for um, the upcoming um, season of riding that we've got together. If you're joining us online, again, we are just so glad to have you as a part of what is going to be taking place this weekend. Now, I have, I acknowledge, a very unusual request for each and every one of us. And that is that you would take this home with you. Now, before we're done today, we are are going to partake in communion together. So I'm not asking you to take this home full. I'm gonna ask you to take the empty container home with you. Now, there's a reason for this, the kind of the, the method to the madness with that. I wanna give to you a visual cue. So if you would do this, if you take this home and then put it in a place that you're gonna see it first thing in the morning. When you see it, it's a visual cue to remind you of Jesus' love for you. And I hope the first thing you'll do then is to respond to it, as in like, Jesus, thank you for the love that you have for me. And it's also then going to set us up that day to be able to carry out Jesus' hashtag everyday commandment for us. Now, this hashtag everyday commandment is actually rooted in Jesus' love for us as well as in communion itself. Now, if you did not happen to get one of these on the way in, if you just kind of hold your hand up right now, our ushers, I mean, they're looking for that and they will bring you one of these so that you'll be prepared when it comes time for communion. So once you've got it, you can just set that aside for just a second. I wanna set everything today in the context in which Jesus gave the very First communion. So we're gonna go back to what's referred to as the Last Supper. If you happen to have a Bible with you, I'm gonna ask that you turn in it to John chapter 13. We're gonna find there one of Jesus' most important statements that he makes to followers of his. So John chapter 13 is where we're going to go with that. Um, You've got the Bible app on your phone. Open that app up, go to John chapter 13. If you can bookmark this, you're gonna be all the better for it. Even take a note or two in it. When we step into this event of history, again, referred to as the Last Supper, it was for the Jews the most special time of the year. You see, they were celebrating what's called Passover. And Passover would be like a combination for us of you could take Christmas and Easter and the 4th of July and push them all together and all the celebration goes with it. That would be close to what Passover was for them. At Passover, there was a celebratory meal and that's where we find Jesus and his disciples, the 12 plus others, that were gathered together in a banquet room. Now, as they were there and enjoying this meal, there began to be a conversation that then turned into an argument. And that argument began to catch um, steam and it was getting louder and louder as it was going on. I just gotta ask, anybody ever been to a family gathering 
maybe Christmas, Thanksgiving, a family reunion, and an argument of some sort broke out and it started to get loud. Anybody been to something like this? Yeah, some of you just like. <laughs> Jesus, in responding to this arguing among his disciples, and get this, they're arguing about which of them was the greatest. So this pride thing was going on in there. Jesus, rather than just going, quiet, little thunder and lightning, you know, to emphasize that, or rather than just standing up and taking the table and throwing it over, he did get up from the table, though almost unnoticed by his disciples. He went over to the corner of the room where there was a basin, and Jesus there took off his robe, set it aside, took this basin. So here's Jesus, naked from the waist up, going to his disciples, and then he begins to wash their feet. Culturally, there was not a task lower on the rung than to have to wash somebody's feet. In fact, you couldn't even compel a Jewish slave to do that. It was so low, so humiliating to do something like that. But here's what Jesus is doing to his disciples. Well, as you can imagine, that arguing just went, you could heard a pin drop in the room. And when Jesus finished, went back over, put his robe back on. Then is when he instituted the very first communion. And after he had instituted communion, he spoke these words. So if you have a Bible open to John chapter 13, Jesus says this on the heels of communion. A new commandment that I give to you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Now, we'll put verse 34 up on the uh, screens for us. Let's all read this together, shall we? These are Jesus' words to us. Here we go. A new commandment I give you. Love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. Now, this is called by Jesus the new commandment. In the Bible, which is written in the Greek language, there are two different words for new. One is nuos, and the other is kainos. Now, the first, nuos, it would mean newest in time. So think chronologically, and it's only a chronological thing. So if it's the very, if it's the newest, then you'd say it's nuos. But then there's the other word, kainos, and kainos means it is superior to everything that's come before it. So you not only have the newness in time, but you have this newness in superiority. It's the greatest. Which of these two words do you think Jesus used, nuance or kainos? Second one, right? He did use the word kainos. He said, I am giving you a greatest commandment. So this is the new greatest commandment. Now you might wonder, well, what's it replacing? Like, what's the old greatest commandment? And the disciples would have known this because they heard Jesus teach on it multiple times. People would ask Jesus, hey, what's the most important thing in the Bible? And he would give them 
the same answer. One of the places it's found in scripture would be Matthew chapter 22, and it says this. Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all of your heart and all of your soul and all of your mind. This is the first and it is the greatest commandment. And then he said, and the second is like unto it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On this, on these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. In other words, all the scripture, it just, it's just compacted into that great commandment. Now, that's pretty good, right? I mean, love God, love your neighbor as yourself. Like, how do you improve on that? But Jesus knows it can be done. Because when we change the measure of love, love your neighbor as yourself, to love as I, Jesus, have loved you, well, the disciples, there was one thing that they knew for sure. They knew that Jesus loved them. In fact, they could think back over the last three plus years that they'd been with Jesus and how after time and time again, this love became more real to them. It became a greater factor in their life. And little did they know that in the next three days, that their understanding of how much Jesus loved them is going to increase exponentially at that point. As Jesus said, what I'm telling you is so important that it is going to be the proof that you're actually a follower of mine. People will know that you're a follower of mine if you love like I love. They will know that you love me. This is the proof of it. They will know, and you can show that the gospel is actually true by this one thing. If you love like I love, it is the new, it is the greatest. It's the hashtag, everyday commandment. It's the one thing. You may have heard this saying at some point, so it's actually a political statement. It goes like this. It's the economy, stupid. Anybody ever hear this before? It's been around for like over 30 years. The origin of it, um, then Governor Bill Clinton, was sat down by his campaign manager and said, if you have any hope and prayer of winning this election, there's one thing and one thing only that you should focus on, and it is this. It is the economy, stupid. And it's said that his campaign manager actually had written this on the campaign walls. It's the economy, stupid. Well, as history bore out, Governor Clinton stayed focused on that message and will eventually become President Bill Clinton. Now, I don't think that Jesus is going to tell us, hey, you need to go and write on the church wall. It's love, stupid. But to have this continually in front of us, these words, the hashtag everyday commandment, it's the one thing. Because Jesus understood this. He said, if you get this, if you practice this, it is going to change you. And he said, it's going to change your home. Jesus knew that this had the power to change a neighborhood. It could change a community. It would change churches all across the world. It could literally change the world. And I think one of the cool things about this, again, if you go back to the setting that it was given to, 
It was a multi-generational room. Most of Jesus' disciples were 20, in their 20s, 20-somethings, or younger. It's to those that these words were given, taken to heart, and well, we could say we know the rest of the story from there. The impact that love, as Jesus' love, could make. One example of this, back in February of 1977, individual by the name of Bishop Festu Kivangeri. He joined a group of other pastors who wrote a letter to um, President Idi Amin, dictator Idi Amin, and in it, they voiced their opposition to the beatings that were taking place in their country, into the murders, and into this mass disappearance. In fact, under Idi Amin, over 500,000 Ugandans would lose their lives. And so they wrote this letter to him. Idi Amin's response to them was the very next day, Archbishop Luwam, good friend of Bishop Festos, was publicly executed. Well, Bishop Fesco, he went into hiding and ultimately into exile. And while he's in exile, he wrote a book. This is the title of the book. It's why I love Edi Amin. And in the book, he explains the perplexing title. He said, the Holy Spirit showed me that I was getting hard in my spirit. So I had to ask for forgiveness from the Lord and for the grace to love President Amin more. He said, this became fresh air for my tired soul. I knew that I had seen the Lord and had been released and love filled my heart. This book went everywhere. Do you think that when people saw and got to know Bishop Fesco, that they realized that the gospel was true? Do you think they realized that this person, just like us, Bishop Fesco, that he had experienced the love of Jesus in him that's why he's able to do and say what he was doing? For sure, right? Now, Jesus has a personal word for every single one of us. And his word to you, to we today, is this. I want you to love as I have loved you. You see, this is Jesus' hashtag, everyday commandment. Would you say that once with me? It's Jesus' hashtag, everyday commandment. Now, let me show you. What's the hashtag in this all about? The hashtag actually keeps Jesus' words from being powerful but only theoretical to being something that is real and impactful in our life. It will keep these words to you today from being just a nice weekend message to being something that could make a difference Monday and then Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday and Friday and Saturday in your life. The hashtag brings us all to the, where is this supposed to take place? Jesus, I know you want me to love as I have loved you. Okay, like where, where do I do that? 
And it starts right here. In other words, it starts at home. I want you just to think, where is it that you live? You can think about your house, you can think about your apartment, you can think about your dorm room. This is the place that the hashtag everyday commandment, this is where it begins. And if it is not being lived out here, then everything else, every, everywhere else, it is just going to be undercut. It's like the foundation for it's gone. But if it does take place and it takes root here, this is one thing. Again, you, you will be blessed and you will thank Jesus for it because this is going to change things in our homes. Now from here in our homes, the hashtag then shows us and now who is immediately around us? Who is, who is it that our lives are being touched and touched by? So if you think about your neighbors, who are your eight closest neighbors? Now you may know their names. If you don't know your eight geographically closest neighbors, Actually, you'd be in the majority of people that don't. It actually takes a little bit of work to go like, I, I just gotta get to know even my neighbor's names that way. But we wanna make sure that these individuals are able to experience Jesus' love. So a question you could ask yourself is this. Is my neighbor, my neighbor who lives right here, I'll just say it's Paul. Is my neighbor Paul and his wife Joan are Paul and Joan experiencing Jesus' love in their life? I mean, do they have any contact with Jesus' love? Is that being put into their lives at all? And once you find out, it's really like either yes, they are, and here's how that's happening, or no, I don't think that Jesus' love is going on in any way. Well, you might be compelled to do this. You'd be like, you know, God, would you, would you bring Jesus' love into Joan and Paul's life? Would you somehow bring somebody to them? And you know what God says? <clears throat> I have. I've got somebody who lives right next door to them. And if we, with our neighbors, just simply begin to love like Jesus has loved us. Think about the people at work. Who are your eight closest coworkers? Who, if you are a student, who are the eight individuals that you interact with most at school. If you're on a sports team, who are your you know, co-teammates that are on this together? In all of these, this is the where the hashtag everyday commandment is intended to take place. See, nothing theoretical about it. This is where Jesus said, I want this to happen. Now we might at this point go like, I get it, but I don't know how. I mean, how am I supposed to love my neighbor like Jesus loves me, right? I mean, I'm not Jesus. Anybody else wanna say that? I'm not Jesus. Like, you know, this, this stuff doesn't come natural to me, like, you know, loving like Jesus loves. But there's a tool I wanna share with you. I've been practicing it for about three years right now. It's made a huge difference in my life to help me to love like Jesus loves. And it's this, bless. It's an acrostic, B-L-E-S-S. -S. Each letter stands for something. But the significance of this is this. When we look at how did Jesus love people, here's what we see. Now, if you happen to be just, you know, if you're a guest with us today, I hope this just is one of the things you just go like, I am so glad I was able to be here this weekend. Because to understand a little bit more how Jesus loved people in his day and how this love of Jesus can go on, I hope that's something that's really significant for us. So we just kind of take these letters as they come. B 
would stand for this. We should begin with prayer. One of the things Jesus did was he prayed for individuals around him. It was, a, it was something that was an identifier of Jesus, the fact that he prayed for people. And if you're wondering like, you know, what do I pray for my neighbors about? Do this, just pray that they'll be blessed. Pray that they will know Jesus' love personally, right? We wanna pray if we find a need in their life, like God, would you help them with that need? So we begin with prayer. Then, L, Jesus would listen. Now listening is something, I think you'll agree with me, that usually takes time. But speaking to Jesus, when I saw this, I thought this is, this is really interesting. You might find it so as well. All the miracles Jesus was known for doing, and we got so many of them, that come to us in the scriptures. But if you look at the scriptures and the miracles that are described there, almost every, almost, almost every one of the miracles Jesus did was an interruption in his schedule. Meaning, Jesus was doing something else when somebody interrupted him. I mean, they would, they would you know, come in, they would try to touch him, they would bring people to him, I mean, they'd, do, they'd tear the roof off of a house. I mean, I mean they would just interrupt what he was doing. And when that happened, Jesus is kind of like, you know, pause, acknowledge the elephant in the room. But rather than blow him off, he just would listen. Like, why are you here? What do you, what do you want? And when he listened to them and understood them, he then showed value. He blessed them and he gave them the gift, of course, that only Jesus could do was that he healed them. Now, when it comes to listening in our lives, in most, not everyone, but in most occasions, listening comes as an interruption, doesn't it? We're doing something, we're busy, we're going somewhere, it's in our schedule, I mean, we've got stuff to do. And somebody says, can I talk to you? And you're just like, like you're interrupting me, right? Hopefully you don't say that out loud. But if you just go like, sure. And you take the time to listen to a person, do you know what you do? you will communicate to them value. And if you truly listen to them and understand them, you'll communicate to them love. Because to be understood and heard, that's experiencing love. And you see, we can, I can do that, you can do that. E stands for eat. This is crazy, but Jesus was ridiculed and criticized for eating with people, for, for drinking with people. You know, as in like, what are you doing eating with those people? Or, you know, why do you just spend all this time eating and, you know, enjoying time with people? And he got criticized for that. To which he just kind of like, you know, like whatever. I'm like, I'm just gonna continue to connect with, connect with people. He took that opportunity, which I think would set up even more listening opportunities. Now for us, as we go into summer, do you find that there's just a few more opportunities to either eat or get something to drink with somebody? I mean, whether it's a barbecue that you're having or just, you know, you're outside and you're interacting with other people. We just take the opportunities that are natural to us. Here's summer and we eat with people. Well, that also shows that they matter to us. It's a way of loving. Again, something that we can do. B-L-E-S, this first S stands for serve. Now I can tell you again, Jesus 
showed love through serving, but if we just go right back to where we started, right back to communion, we know that Jesus served his disciples when he washed their feet, right? In fact, Jesus actually said this, John 13, verse 14. He, he made the statement, he says, I have given you an example. Now you should do what I have done to you. So, you know, it's like, here's what I'm setting you guys up for. But then he said this, look at this. He said, now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. Tell me this secret in bless isn't cool. That when you seek to bless another, you're the one that ends up being blessed as well. It's kind of like this blessing boomerang that God's got set up for us that way. You try to, you know, you're out to help somebody. And serving just means that. How can I help you? And you do that, and sure as the world, you end up feeling blessed for doing that. Last Wednesday, I'm, I'm out for a run, and I come around a corner, and I look, and there's this small car, but it's like in the ditch. I mean, the nose is in the ditch, and the back end is just like sticking up, and I'm just kind of like... Whoa, I hope nobody's in that. So I you know, changed my path a little bit. I ran over there to look to make sure nobody's in the car. And I got there and I look in the driver's seat and there's somebody just sitting there in the car. You know, younger mother that's, that's in there. You can see the little tear that's in here because she is stuck, stuck, you know, in the car. She was trying to turn around the road and it just didn't turn out right for her. So I just, you know, I saw her. And I'm just kind of like, you know, what do you do? So I just looked at her and I just, I just waved and said, God bless you, see you later. And I just kept on with my run. <laughs> well, I didn't. <laughs> I stopped there and I'm like, I think we can get you out here. And then sure as well, somebody else from Fox River happened to stop by. And together we were able to, you know, to push her up out of the ditch. Was it an interruption in what I was doing? Yes, I mean, but to see the look on her face when she was able to, you know, to drive away, I mean, I can tell you that I, my fellow, you know, helper there, I mean, we were blessed in being able to do that together. So we can all do that. It's like, what does my neighbor, my coworker, like, what help do they need? Well, we can do that. And the last S, that would stand for share. When opportunity presents itself, to be able to share the good news about Jesus is really the way, I think of it this way, it's connecting them to the source of love and the source of blessing. It's great, right? If I am able to show Bill, Joan, Paul, whoever that would be, it's great if I can show them the love of Jesus, it's even better if they get connected directly to the source themselves. And that's what we wanna be able to do. And again, sometimes we get a little bit like, ah, I'm not sure I know how to do that. And it happened to you with this last week, Pastor Rob showed how easy it was even to do it on a napkin. He used these three circles, I thought it was really good. You can go back and check that out, but here's just a quick recap of it. He said, if you just draw these three circles on a napkin and write these words in them, shalom. Shalom is a, it's really a, Packed word it means peace of God and blessing of God. So it's all this together. It's the, the goodness of God. That's what shalom is. This is God's purpose. This is in creation. This is for mankind. God wants this for us, shalom. But as we know, so much 
is now experienced brokenness. In fact, there's not a person anywhere that hadn't experienced a level of brokenness. Sometimes it's our sin. Sometimes it's somebody else's sin. Sometimes it's living in the world. Maybe, you know, we all know what brokenness is. And that's why Jesus, because we're not here and we are here, this is Jesus' purpose in coming. And this big word reconciliation means to bring back together, right? And through what Jesus did on the cross, we can have reconciliation. We can again be reunited with the one and begin to experience God's shalom again. And of course, his future shalom. The very first word that Jesus spoke to his disciples after his resurrection was this. Shalom, God's peace, God's goodness and grace be to you. Which brings us right back to where we started. If you hold this communion in your hands, it is filled with message. In fact, Jesus' specific words to everyone of his followers is, were these, found in 1 Corinthians 11. It says, in the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. The new covenant with God. There's that word again, new. And we want to take a guess. Is it kainos or nuas? For sure, right? The superior, the kainos covenant. And if you're not familiar with the word, it's, really, it's a religious term, mostly a covenant. It means an agreement and a declaration. Well, Jesus is saying there is a superior declaration that is being made by God himself, and it's this. By the blood of Jesus, I declare you are forgiven. By the blood of Jesus, I declare this reconciliation of relationship. You are my son. You are my daughter. And every time you drink this, Jesus said, remember. Remember my love for you. Now, if you haven't received that love of Jesus, taking communion, it's a very special thing, but it's not the way you receive Jesus. You receive Jesus with an individual response to him. You're not here by accident. If you're ready to come to Jesus in your brokenness, to receive the reconciliation that he made possible through his death upon the cross and resurrection, I want to give this time of prayer specifically for that. And then we'll partake together. Lord Jesus, as we come before you now, first of all, we thank you for your love. And for those that today will be the day of receiving you as personal Savior, as the Lord of their life, Jesus, for these, may your love be what draws them to you. May your love be what compels them to acknowledge the brokenness of their life and their need for you and to ask you now to be their Lord and their Savior. Now, if that's you today, if you're watching online, would you acknowledge that? 
If you're in one of our rooms, would you just with a raised hand say, God, I am ready to receive Jesus as my Savior. Yeah. Others, thank you for each and every one, Jesus, that I'm opening themselves to you now. May your love for them be unmistakable. We pray this in your name. And everybody in agreement said, amen. If you were encouraged by today's talk, be sure to subscribe and share with your friends. Visit us online at foxriverchristian.org or check us out in person. Thanks again for listening to the Fox River Podcast.